Have you thought this through? No way will that work. Are you sure? Is there any money in that? You'll never make any money doing that. How are you going to pay the mortgage? Just get a job. You're going to try to tell that? Why can't you be normal like anybody else? All right. Were your parents morons too? Savvy entrepreneur to the rescue! Congratulations, that really turned out well. I'm really pretty shocked. I'm really, really. You know, I wish I thought of that. I never thought of anyone better. How did you do that? I'm so glad you're here. I wish I had the courage to follow my dreams. Good morning, all you entrepreneurs and small business people. You are listening to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. The show has two goals. First, to share helpful information and resources. I have made so many mistakes, and I've seen a lot of mistakes over the course of the past 30 years. If I can help just one of you entrepreneurs out there not make some of the mistakes I've made or I've seen, then I've been successful. The second goal is also to inspire. Being an entrepreneur, I found, was confusing, often lonely. Sometimes you have no idea if you're on the right track or not, or where to turn for good advice. So to help with both those goals, I have guests on the show every week who are willing to share their stories and their advice. And this week's guest is Professor Mukila Maitha from Harper College. He's an associate professor there, and he's the chair and coordinator of the drone program at Harper College. Since it's such an interesting and evolving technology, I thought it would be fun for people to hear and learn about drones and maybe some of the business opportunities that people are taking advantage of or that may be able to take advantage of in the future. Professor Maitha, or Mukila, I guess you've told me Mukila. I can call you. Yes, Mukila is good. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you, Doris. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Me too. I mean, drones are in the news, and yet I think my knowledge, certainly, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is true of a lot of people, is kind of sketchy about how drones are used and what they can do. I think the natural place to start is to just make sure we all know what a drone is exactly and maybe what it isn't. Yes, so a drone is an aircraft that is flown without a person on board and uh, that person being in physical control of the aircraft. Yeah. Uh, so this aircraft is flown remotely. Yeah. Are they little? I have this vision of them being little tiny things, but I'm not sure that's quite true. No, they vary in size. I mean, they can be from the really small toy ones that could be even quarter pound or less uh, to really large systems that are hundreds of pounds, uh, even the size of a small aircraft. So there's oh that God. entire range. And, and the FAA classifies them, so the ones that that most people use are what they call the small unmanned or uncrewed aerial system. So that size is, in terms of weight, it's between 0.55 pounds and 55 pounds. And then- Five pounds is still pretty big though. That's- Yes. That's a lot. Okay, and so they're controlled remotely somehow? I have envisioned, you know, my brother when we, we were younger and he had his little airplane that he controlled with his little controller. I don't think that's quite how drones are controlled today. That's actually a common way where you'll have the aircraft and then it will communicate with a remote control device. And then the pilot will use that for navigation. But these days there's also software that takes on that role. So software can be used to control the aircraft, can be used to, uh, to lift it off the ground, can be used to move it from location to location in the air and then bring it back. Yeah, so these days they're, they're both there. Huh. And well, what are some of the most common uses for drones today? So I think the most common one was for photography and videography, capturing video at events, so some people might have seen them flying around, let's say, at weddings, for example, also for real estate. So 
Um, photography is a big part of selling property. So th- providing an aerial perspective gives um, both sellers and buyers just a, a different view than you get on the ground. So real estate photography and video is a, is a big use. Drones are also used for inspections. So just having the drone up in the, in the air, you can inspect, for example, roofs for damage oh, after yeah. a severe weather event or wear and tear. You can attach a thermal camera on it so that can show you where, there's, uh, where you're having heat loss in excess of what might be expected. Uh, they're also used for inspecting bridges, cell phone towers, power lines, oil pipelines, and the like. They're also used for mapping, and mapping is used in a wide variety of industries. So that includes agriculture for mapping the uh, fields to see the progression of crops and to see where there might be issues during the growing season. Uh, Uh, Also for construction. So there a manager might want to, and also the the person who has paid for a job might want to see progression over time. So that could be mapped to the drone. Also, if you have uh, mining, uh, you might want to estimate the amount of material that that has been excavated. So you can map that area and create a 3D model and get measurements from the drone. Also, it can be used for in agriculture, not only for mapping, but also for spraying and uh, dispensing seeds. Interesting. Maybe the crop dusters will get phased out as drones do the crop testing? Yes, or else uh, those folks may just learn a new skill and just transition to using drones. <laughs> um, you haven't mentioned the one that I see in the news the most, which is delivery. Yes, so the delivery is, is another one. And right now the FAA is working on uh, regulations that would make it easier to launch delivery services. The big issues there have been how do you manage the airspace with these systems moving around? And also to date, it's been quite restrictive because right now, if you fly a drone, a small unmanned or uncrewed system, you always have to have it within visual line of sight. Oh, so, really? But yes, unless you get an, an exemption. That really does limit things. I mean, that's great if you're a tourism company and you just want to take some high panoramic views of things, but delivery companies, that's pretty challenging. Yes. So now the FAA has rulemaking committees uh, that recommend regulations. So there have been recommendations about regulations to do with flying drones beyond visual line of sight. So we can expect in the next year or two to start seeing an enabling environment being created for that. So yes, so de- delivery is is a big one. And I think outside the US, uh, I'd say, let's say in a country like uh, South Korea, you also have um, urban mobility. So where you have these air taxi systems being uh, developed. Wow. So, so, yes. So it will go beyond delivering just packages, uh, you also see people being transported. Um, Oh, wow. This is like taking driverless cars and (laughs) taking it to the next level with driverless aircraft or pilotless, I guess. What's the most unique or unusual use of drone that you've seen or heard about? So there are very interesting ones out there. In Norway, there is a company called Nordic Unmanned that helps the European maritime agencies just enforce pollution monitoring regulations. So incoming ocean vessels, or rather ocean vessels need to control their emissions. So if there's an oil slick around a boat, they're in big trouble, huh? Yes. So the oil slick is, is one issue, but there's also just the pollution from the exhaust. So the so that needs to be controlled. But I learned that when a ship is at dock, it's not necessarily using the same engine power or parts of the engine as when it's out in the open ocean. So the emissions are different. If it's tested 
at the dock versus when it's out in the ocean. So what Nordic and man came in was to start monitoring these uh, ships when they were out in the ocean. Uh-huh. And uh, so they would use a long range drone, which was, um, it's a helicopter, but it's a drone helicopter. Uh, this thing is, uh, I would say, in terms of length, about 15 feet or so. So it flies out in the ocean and then into the smokestack. And it has a sensor that, and it has to stay within that stack for about 60 seconds. And then it has a sensor that will detect um, methane, carbon dioxide and sulfur dioxide and, and, the, and the like. Wow. So, so there's probably a bunch of very unhappy ship owners who before were able to pollute under the radar scope and now are completely busted. Now, yeah. So now they have to, to follow the, the rules. But the thing is, they patrol just within the territorial waters and yeah. that drone has a, a range. So still out in the open sea, yeah. this might still be an issue, but at least... This was a, an interesting use. Uh, also, there's just the fully autonomous drone systems where you don't re- need a pilot at all, a person flying the drone. So there are systems now being sold. Uh, there is a company called Percepto, P-E-R-C-P-C-E-P-T-O. And then the leading drone manufacturer a company called DJI from China it has what is called the DJI dock. So with this one, the the drone will take off from a landing pad. So it will be programmed to fly, carry out its work, return itself to the docking station. Batteries will be charged or changed. And then it will, when it's required to fly again, it will fly. And then with there'll be software that can allow the control of more than one drone. That blows me away, though, because the software alone must be very uh, complex because it's one thing if you have visual sightline and you can steer the drone kind of the way my brother used to steer his little radio-controlled airplane when he was a kid. But to me, it's totally another thing to have drones that just go out and do things. I mean, how do they not run into buildings or... That's got to be really complicated software. Yeah, so the software is is one part of it, and it can get complicated, but the the drones have um, LiDAR sensors. So they have sensors that will send out beams of of light, and then the drone will use those sensors to to detect um, its distance from obstacles. Yeah, or in the future, even other drones, if we have the sky full of drones. Yes, yes. so obstacle avoidance is, is part of the, of these systems. And it's become quite common today to have a drone that has obstacle avoidance in the front, back, sides, and underneath. So it's a combination of, of the obstacle avoidance and the software to wow. working. How many drones do we think are out there today? Is anybody kind of keeping track of that? It's hard to know because you have um, all the way from the tiny toy drones that are available at any um, shop, at any toy store or, or a supermarket and the like, all the way to these large military systems and the like. So, the, I mean, it's a really wide range, but the FAA in the U.S. tracks the drones that are registered. So if your drone is um, more than 0.55 pounds, it needs to be registered, uh, whether for recreational or commercial purposes. So in the U.S., uh, the number uh, I checked recently was over 850,000 that were registered. Uh-huh. And out of that, 300,000 were commercial uh, registrations, and then half a million were for recreational purposes. And I'm going to guess there's quite a few that are probably not registered because either people didn't know the requirement or chose to look the other way, so it's really hard to tell. Correct, yes. 
And that's just the U.S. only. There's international. (laughs) And can drones cross international territory? I mean, if I'm in Canada, can I send something to the U.S.? Or can I send a drone across to take pictures of of Niagara Falls? I think physically that most drones would be able to do that. But there's the issue of regulations. So um, I think um, a pilot should follow the, the regulations that are required in order to move the drone across borders. Uh, there are manufacturers that actually limit their drones so that if you register your drone in the US, if you do cross the border, because these the more expensive drones have GPS receivers on them, some manufacturers put in some safeguards on their drones so that the manufacturer is able to tell if a, if the drone crossed boundaries. And then in that case, then it can enforce the, the rules for that country. Some of the rules also in, include airspace restrictions. So for instance, um, flying in a large city, flying very close to an airport is not allowed without um, authorization from the aviation authority. So some manufacturers do not enforce that or put it on their drones and somebody could assemble their own drone that that doesn't have these restrictions. That must be a little terrifying to pilots who are out there trying to fly and they have their radar and the control tower that controls the airspace around an airport pretty carefully and to have the risk of having these little planes or medium-sized planes flying around is must be a little yeah. frightening. It is a big issue. And for the United States, everybody who flies a remote controlled airplane or drone, so whether for, uh, if you're flying it for recreational purposes, there there was a, a new test uh, called the trust test. It's a recreational uh, user's uh, test. So that's required for everyone. If you're flying even for, uh, for fun and your aircraft is over the half a pound, then you need to take that test. And part of that is so that everybody becomes familiar with the U.S. airspace and safety issues uh-huh. and the potential of, like you mentioned, just uh, interfering with um, with demand or crewed aircraft. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's a big part of the commercial pilot preparation. But the FAA saw that, you know, drones have become very popular, so the general public needs to be aware of of the issues so that test was put in place and it takes a very short time to do it just like 30 minutes i'm glad to hear that and i think probably as drones increase i'm sure there will be increasing regulations on them one use you didn't mention but i think people do have some concern about is using them for spying if you're a private detective <laughs> You might use them to spy on someone for maybe innocent reasons, maybe not. But I suspect some of that's going to probably get regulated at some point, too, do you think? So in terms of of the airspace, so the FAA regulates the airspace. So anything above the ground that's in, in the control of the FAA. But you do have both state and municipality rules about the use of drones. And that just varies across the US. In some places, the drones can, like for instance, if they're used by the uh, by the police and detectives and the like, there are only particular circumstances that the drone can be used. And then in other circumstances, it's, that's not permitted. Then if somebody feels that their privacy is being invaded, then I think then they're, just general privacy laws would come into play. Yeah, but Not, I'm sure this is an area that's going to be evolving quickly and will evolve a lot in the future as the use of drones multiplies. Talk about your background. How did you get interested in drones and become so passionate about it? My background was in uh, geographic information systems or or geospatial technologies. So that's the, for those who are not familiar with it, that's the technology that, that's behind uh, 
the mapping applications that we use every day, like Google Maps, for instance, although it can do a lot more than that. And I also worked as a software programmer. Oh, wow. So when I joined HAPA, I began teaching the geospatial classes here and established a GIS certificate. And within that, we have a remote sensing class where we teach students how to use aerial photography and satellite imagery. So the issue with satellite imagery is that you may have global coverage, but you don't have very high resolution imagery. You can't see, like if you just want to study a small area, you might not get the imagery very quickly and inexpensive, relatively inexpensively. And that's when I learned that um, drones were being used to teach remote sensing. So this was around 2017. And uh, right then I saw an opportunity to introduce the use of drones in the remote sensing class. So that's when uh, HAPA, we purchased a drone for the department and started to use it in the remote sensing class. And just by doing that, then I was exposed to the use of drones in very many areas and also got to learn about uh, community colleges around the country that were teaching students how building entire programs. And that's when the commercial licenses became available. So there was an opportunity to help prepare the workforce for careers and businesses in this area. You mentioned Harper College. Tell people where that is. I'm sure people, at least in the Chicago area, have heard of it, but may not know exactly where it is. Yes. So Harper is located in the northwestern suburbs of Chicago, established in uh, 1966, and it's it serves over 30,000 part-time and full-time students. 30,000? Yes. That's a lot. So, yes, it's a large um, uh, community college, it, and it, it serves two populations, so those who want to transfer and uh, complete their bachelor's degrees, and then those who would like to get uh, career and technical skills. So those are the two that... We serve and yeah, we've had our geospatial program since 2015. And then how did it morph into an entire program on drones? So from introducing it in remote sensing, I saw the opportunity to create a drone program and uh, pitched the idea to our administration. And uh, in 2019, we got a new president who wanted to have an aviation program at Harper. So that was the perfect opportunity to develop a drone program because it tied in with that vision to have aviation programs here. So with that support, then got the resources and backing to to then launch the program last year, which we we did. And uh, and we also got our we got it accredited, a specialized accreditation with the FAA as part of their unmanned aerial systems collegiate training initiative. Yeah, so with that, we're actually one of two colleges in the state of Illinois with that designation. In fact, that was my next question. I was just about to ask you was how unique is your program? I'm sure there's a growing number of schools that are looking at this, but it sounds like you were one of the first couple of schools in the state to have a program like this. Yes, drone programs are becoming more popular. In many places, you may find standalone classes, but um, we are the second. uh, The first one was Parkland College in Champaign, Urbana. Mm -hmm. But for the Chicago metropolitan area, we're the first uh, community college program that has a full credit-bearing certificate. And we are unique in that our program has grown out of the uh, GIS and geospatial programs. So we uh, really teach students how to create photogrammetry products. So the 2D, 3D maps, multispectral maps that can be used in a variety of industries. We also prepare the students for uh, their part 107 exam. And we've had uh, the I'm students- I'm sorry, what, what's part 107? So to fly a drone commercially, you need a, a drone pilot a certificate uh, license. So that it refers to the part of the US regulations yeah. that govern the use of drones. So the part one of 07, 
of the federal code of regulations. So sometimes people will call it the part 107 test. I see. Yeah. Yeah. And and the drone world, I'm sure, just like every world has its initials and jargon that people use. And I'm sure that will increasingly be the case with drones. Right. You know, one of the things that uh, I thought was amazing and admirable is that there's obviously a focus on diversity within the program. I mean, you speak with an accent, so I'm going to take the jump and assume you're not originally from the United States. And That's correct. You're a person of color, and the other professor in the department is a woman. So kudos to you, but was that an accident, or is that something that you or the college have been mindful about? Yes, yeah, so when it comes to, to drones and um, expanding technology and the like, the college, especially when we got the new president, there was a big focus on, on diversity. And just having worked in the IT industry for many years and technology, that was um, an unspoken issue. So, so you didn't have as many women in the industry and definitely not still, a lot. Still of, not, right? Still yeah, not. Yes, still a big challenge. And also uh, not so many uh, ethnic minorities, especially from the U.S. You did have them from overseas. Uh, so people like myself and others, but not um, people that had been born here. But for the college, when the new president came on board, uh, she launched um, the next version of Harper's strategic plan. And that called for increased focus on uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So it calls for creating programs that that um, attract uh, underserved populations and then within existing programs, making efforts to increase the um, enrollment in some of these uh, populations. So, so with some of the offices that, that have been at Harper for a long time that serve these students have been empowered in this environment. So we do have, uh, for example, a women's center and within admissions outreach there specialists that focus on reaching different populations and they have outreach events that target, let's say, uh, um, Latino families, uh, black families and the like. So they, so now you, you, we are seeing more uh, recruiting events and us as faculty, we're being involved in participating in those events uh, to reach out to potential students. I'm really delighted to hear that. So thank you for sharing that. I'm curious, do you see the drone world presenting more opportunities for people with diverse kinds of backgrounds? Yes, there are lots of um, opportunities, especially because there is, um, I think, in the in the employment space and uh, and also for those who support businesses, there has been a an increased focus on supporting diverse involvement. Now, in the in terms of the specific opportunities that are out there, I can talk about both careers and also business. Yeah, talk on, about careers first. That's kind of interesting. Okay. So, so in terms of drone careers, the biggest opportunities are for those who have. Um, engineering or programming skills, or those who can acquire them. Uh, so the the engineering design and maintenance of drone systems, because of the explosion of the industry, well, they do need to be designed and built. But even once they are built, they need to be repaired and maintained. Uh-huh. And um, the movement is towards automation, so that requires programming expertise. So it's an opportunity not only for those who want a job, but also if those who would like to provide services. So those who have um, an engineering or technical background can also look to some of the, the larger companies to provide services in those areas. Uh, again, it's both a career and business opportunity too. Those, 
So creating data products from the use of drones. So those could be... Oh, I um, didn't even think about that. Yeah, I was thinking about, you know, you might have your own little drone aircraft company and help tourism companies or something. And I'm sure there is that opportunity, (laughs) but I didn't even think about the end product. So talk about that. Yes, so a lot of times when a drone is used, uh, it's used to collect some kind of data. And then that data needs to be processed into a form that the end user can use for some action. So for for photography, real estate and the like, so that would be videos and uh, photographs. But those, a lot of times the end user doesn't just want a raw photograph. That photo needs to be manipulated in some way. And then the videos, uh, instead of giving the end user like a hundred clips, Uh, Those need to be processed. They might need sound added to them. You may need to apply them to a storyboard and create a professional video. So that creates both opportunities for careers as well. So somebody with those uh, skills can go for the career there. But also if one wants to provide services as an entrepreneur, then somebody with with a knowledge of real estate and their requirements and has that skill uh, to to create professional video and photos and use software like um, uh, the uh, Photoshop or Final Cut Pro, Adobe Premiere, and that kind of thing, then that person can provide those services. The and then also that also applies to mapping too. So so to map, although they are, the software can. Uh, a lot of software, you can just load in photos and it processes it for you. Uh, There is a need though to have some background in photogrammetry or GIS, both for the career side and also if you're going to provide services um, to that industry as an entrepreneur. And um, in terms of for, for business, it's not only just flying the drone, but one needs to have some knowledge. Domain expertise is a is a is the big thing. So one needs to decide what sector they would like to serve. If it's for business, what sector they would like to serve. Make sure that they are familiar with the issues that that sector has, and how drones can serve that sector. Ah. And, and- so if I understand you correctly, for people who are in real estate today, for example, and maybe you're looking for a career shift, this could be one opportunity for someone who's looking to pivot, for example, if I understand you correctly. Right. If they would like to use drones in real estate, yes, they would understand the role that good photography would play in the sales process, in the sales cycle. But then now, then they can go and get the skills that are needed to have that expertise. And that could be, I mean, the person can acquire those skills or sometimes can maybe partner with somebody with those skills. I think because for real estate, the final product tends to combine aerial and ground photography. Mm-hmm. So there would need to be expertise too in uh, using camera systems in buildings and the like, and then also using them outdoors. They have, I have seen also some companies that will use tiny drones that fly indoors to take photographs <laughs> and um, indoors that's amazing yes. yeah so domain expertise and then the technical knowledge to serve that that industry or domain it's obviously the big Amazon and UPS that we hear about wanting to try to use drones for delivery, but are there some smaller companies that you've heard about or read about or know of that have successfully use drones as the basis for their business, creating a new business? There are quite a number of them out there. There is a startup uh, here in the Chicago area called Valkari, V-A-L-Q-A-R-I. It's a drone delivery startup. And so they're developing a system for deliveries over short distances. So whereas maybe UPS and Amazon may serve a really large area, uh, this one, you you can see a need. Uh, So once delivery takes off, you may have just 
a small scale deliveries that occur within a, a smaller area so that company could serve that kind of market. Uh, the- so, so if I'm a catering business, I can hire them to deliver my catering food yes. to a nearby company? Uh, potentially, yes. <laughs> so you have, yeah, so there are a number of those kinds of businesses uh, there. There are also small, a large number of manufacturers that build cameras and sensors that go on the drones. Oh, so yeah. those and the cameras of various types, they're those that use just visible light uh, that all of us use. So the visible spectrum and then it goes into the thermal spectrum and then even and then others. So those are specialized manufacturers that that would uh, create those. I saw at a trade show recently a number of companies that, you know, when you're using a drone, you have so many components that you have to take out in the field. So there were companies that built uh, storage devices just for transporting and storing drones. Oh, wow. Um, interesting. Yeah. So there's all kinds of interesting angles that people are figuring out. What do you see as the future of drones near term to help maybe entrepreneurs out there who are thinking this might be kind of an interesting area to pursue with lots of opportunities. Where do you see drones going in the, sh- in the near term and then maybe look out five years from now? What do you think the landscape will look like? So we can see just increased automation. So the flying drones more using software rather than uh, physical control. Although there, there will be still those cases where you need to have physical control or the ability to take physical control of the aircraft, but increased automation is one thing that will continue in the near term and out into the long term. Also, the increased use of uh, artificial intelligence or AI, it's there now, but also will continue into the near and, and long term. For instance, right now there processes that require um, manual decision-making, but over time, those also will be automated uh, through artificial intelligence. Beyond visual line of sight, once the regulations are there, uh, then you can also start to see long range. Now, opportunities also open up in terms of the geographic range that you can deploy a drone. Uh, so th- that opens a number of opportunities too. Once once that is enabled, because once it's it's enabled, then you'll see more drones built with those kinds of capabilities, oh. and then the ability to serve those those markets increases. To date, without the uh, beyond visual line of sight, and without having that exemption that allows you to to fly that way, uh, there's been the need to physically go to a location with, with your drone and fly it there. That involves travel and all kinds of logistics. Right. Yes. But for mapping, you can see uh, this becoming, I mean, just reducing the, the amount of uh, headache and logistics um, issues that you, that you may have. Yeah. Because uh, for mapping, you have to go, you can only map a limited geographic area, then you have to move your whole even, system around. Right? I can even envision certain kinds of things that are quite dangerous that drones might be able to be used for, like storm chasing or going down inside a volcano to predict, uh, you know, further refine predictions about whether a volcano is going to erupt or something like that, right? Yeah, and some of that's already occurring. So flying over volcanoes. They're already being used for that, but you may see yes, increased use for that kind of thing. Also, the air mobility, the air taxis that we talked about earlier. Uh, that's that. So, so that that blew my mind that, when you were telling me about that. So that in the long longer term, you can expect that. Um, also, the the use of different types of fuel, because um, oh. as they fly further, then the issue of fuel becomes. A problem with with batteries, so now they're 
there is a company called Doosan, D-O-O-S-A-N, from South Korea that's developing, that has developed a hydrogen-powered uh, solution. Uh, oh, wow. That can fly, that's, uh, that can be used for long-range flights. Oh, that's kind of mind-blowing in and of itself. I mean, you just say that like, oh, well, it's hydrogen-powered, but... I don't know of anything else that's really hydrogen powered. That's pretty amazing. It is. It is. Yeah. So those are some of the things that we can see going down. And then just like with any technology, it will evolve in ways that we, we haven't even imagined. <laughs> we can't imagine right now. Well, I was going to ask you about some of the challenges you foresee, maybe even just knowing what we know now. So maintaining safety. So the obstacle avoidance uh, that and and fail safes having enough f f reliable fail safes within the aircraft will be an issue especially as, as these craft fly over long distances and if we're talking about air mobility if these systems start to fly people oh. uh, then yeah yeah so then the risk uh, degree of risk really just the, the risks become really yeah quite high i mean it'll become completely different from what we have today <laughs> uh, there's also the yeah so i'd mentioned the issue of uh, maintaining powering these systems over long distances but also maintaining communication with them so if your drone flies oh, right if you're so, not in the line of sight i mean yeah kind of like a radio station it starts to fade out over time obviously you have to use satellite communication but even that can be unreliable sometimes i mean look at our cell phone oh i only got one bar that's not so good <laughs> yes Drop call oopsie that's fine if it's a phone call but you know if it's a drone that you've lost communication with probably not so good correct yeah and yeah these days you're seeing systems there that have that can fly for hundreds of miles and the military ones do but now as some systems are developed for civilian use then yeah that then yeah that would be an issue then also the problem of uh, integrating all these drones into the uh, national airspace mm. and avoiding congestion or collision with the crewed aircraft and then these drones interfering with each other yeah uh, that's yeah. yeah that's an issue that needs to be sorted out and like any technology there's regulations but the regulations on something technology related usually lag by quite a bit because it's just the nature of things uh, yes and right now the there are rules that have been re recommended for this dealing with the, the airspace integration by that and there there are some steps already being taken but yes you're correct yeah regulations uh, do lag behind uh, innovation well if there's an entrepreneur out there who are listening to this and are thinking, wow, this is kind of interesting. There's a lot of great opportunities. What's the best way for them to go about learning more? You're probably going to make a plug for the program at Harper, but you know, I don't know if there are individual courses. Are there things that people might turn to to read about? Uh, what, what would you recommend to them? Yes, so, so there are several resources. If you'd like to get your part 107 license, commercial license, you should look and see if your uh, local community college has it. So it, if you're in the Chicago metro area, then you can look up Harper. We do have a program and our website. And also if you're in a, universities with aviation programs would also have some resources. But other than that, some ones that I would recommend, there is a, a website called Drone Life, and it's all one word, Drone Life. And uh, so that has got excellent uh, news about the drone industry. Uh, you can also look up the AUVSI uh, Association, the Association for Unmanned Vehicle Systems International. So AV, oh. AUVSI, and they have an annual conference called the Exponential. AV, AUVSI exponential. And that's so, what you just so, came back from, right? That's Yes, that's correct. That's where I, I just came back from. So I uh, definitely recommend uh, 
uh, if you're able to go to that conference, go for it. But their website has a lot of information. They have webinars and lots of resources there. If you look up the FAA's drone program, so if you uh, just Google FAA uh, unmanned systems or FAA drones, FAA also has information too that everybody should be aware of. Uh, there is also a website called uavcoach.com. That site provides a part 107 training, but also has a industry news section where every uh, couple of weeks or so there are articles that come out about new things that are out there in the drone industry. Um, there is also a YouTube channel called Drone You. And uh, so, so those who are on YouTube can look at Drone You for some information. And once you start exploring re these resources, you'll find others. But also just, um, especially with the YouTube channels, just compare what you're seeing. Because sometimes these are just, they're not necessarily experts that provide the information. <laughs> they're just giving their personal opinions. I, I, as I've so. found, even looking for, you know, handy homeowner kinds of things, some people know what they're doing and other people just like making videos. Yes. So that should be careful. So with the YouTube, the one that I found is pretty sound is um, it's a company that sells drones, but they're called the Multicopter Warehouse. So if you look at on YouTube for the Multicopter Warehouse there, uh, you'll find some good information there. Interesting. Um, so are Harper College's courses all in person or can people take them online too? So most of them are online for oh. the ones that do not require flying drones. So we, our part 107 class is a fully online class, uh, runs for eight weeks. And then we have two classes where students are taught how to, one, how to fly drones. So focus on flight proficiency. And then a second class that focuses on drone data processing. Those two classes uh, meet once a week on campus or out in the field, because that part you do need face-to-face -face instruction. And also you don't need to buy your own drones. We have the drones here. We also provide the software and we also have got um, really um, high, high end and very well equipped laboratory facilities with the computers to process data. So we provide all that for students who are enrolled in the program, which is a big plus. Then yeah. for the geospatial classes, and there is a photography class, those are online classes. Very interesting. And I'm sure there will be, if there isn't already, a drone entrepreneur startup skills development class too coming. So if people are interested in learning more about drones, whether it's as a career or to start a business, how can they get in touch with you or learn more about your program? They can contact me. Uh, so to find us on the internet is very easy. Just search for Harper College Drones and you'll land on the pages that have my email and my phone number. Also, I'll just say my phone number here on the radio, if anyone wants to call me, that's 847-925-6521. And also because we, um, this show is for entrepreneurs, Harper's got an entrepreneurship program, certificate program that oh, helps. Yes, that helps entrepreneurs start their businesses. So you could also, I do highly recommend that you look into that program as well. And you can... Uh, take both the drone program and the uh, courses that are provided by our entrepreneurship program to help you uh, get started in your business. And also, I'll say that this semester, I do have a small business owner that's taking the drone certificate. And so he has a, an existing business and would like to integrate drones into that. And, uh, and so far, he is getting uh, what he needs uh, I have no business. doubt you're going to see more and more of that. It, it, listening to that makes me wish I were going back to college because I think that I would probably this time around do something like that because the opportunities sound 
really very numerous for people who are creative and, and also maybe for people who are really good at connecting dots between different areas of expertise. Is that a fair statement? Yes, I, I would say so. One good thing about the program is that you are exposed to a lots of different things and you, we have a diverse range of students so that this helps you view things from different angles and also tap into different um, expertise that might yeah. be in the classroom. Yeah, it's, um, it's seldom that you have photographers bumping elbows with programmers, bumping elbows with geography students and engineering people, right? I'm sure it must be a very interesting learning environment. And I am delighted that you came on the show this week, Mukila, to talk about your program at Harper College and about drones in general. So thanks so much for being on the show this week. Thank you so much, Doris. It was my pleasure. And I really enjoyed uh, this discussion. And anybody who is interested in uh, reaching out to me, uh, I welcome any uh, discussion. And well, I look forward a- to, to talking to you again. Yeah, well, that's a very generous offer. I hope listeners take you up on that because it sounds to me like there are going to be lots of opportunities for people who are creative and maybe do, you know, do a little learning and investigation and put some thought into it because there will be plenty of of jobs as well as business opportunities for people who are in the right place at the right time. So thanks so much for listening, everybody. You're the reason I do this show. And thanks again to my guest this week, Associate Professor Mokila Maitha, who is the chair of the drone program at Harper College in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. You can find more helpful information and resources on my consulting website, which is globalocityservicesplural.com, as well as my new radio show dedicated website, thesavvyentrepreneur.org. And you'll increasingly find there uh, a library of blogs, tools, podcasts, and other free resources for entrepreneurs. My door is always open. I'd love to hear from you with comments, questions, suggestions. If you want to be a guest on the show, know of a great guest, or just to shoot the breeze, email me at dnagel, N-A-G-E-L, at lakesradio.org, and I promise you'll always get an answer back. Now, be sure to join me again next Saturday at 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern. But until then, I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneurship.